life and you do what you want. No, a lot of times we look at Jesus and we go, you know, if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. Your message is like, you're looking at Jesus. about it uh, that way, we're often surprised as we study the accounts of, of, of his life. He, he consistently exceeds our expectations. He consistently does things that aren't, dare I say, normal. Uh, he, he, he's always, every time people think they have it figured out, he's busts out of the box. on the death feelings of Israel, the people who, who thought they knew who Jesus was and, and, and how he could act were constantly confused. Uh, he had your close friends and, and followers who tried to teach him what, what he ought to do. You know, we believe that you're the Messiah, therefore you need to do these things. And right after he had told them what he was going to do, uh, and so he had to set them straight. His life and his teachings broke the mold constantly. They did then and they still do. Uh, Jesus always finds a better way. Always finds a better way. So forget what you think you know now. That's what I'm asking. Forget what you think you know about Jesus. We're getting to, we're getting to know Jesus. Let's talk to Frank. I'm looking forward to this one being more of us. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, just say that storytellers say that the plot of every tale includes a look at normal life. It, it, it doesn't matter whether you're watching a television show, reading a novel, watching a movie. These things are always in there. Sometimes they add, you know, they, 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 there's some differences. They, they, they repeat some things, but it's always these things. There's a look at normal life. And then there's a hint of trouble. And then trouble rise. Full-blown trouble comes. And then help arrives and the trouble is resolved and uh, life is changed. Uh, and it becomes what I call a new normal. There's a change that happens. Those are the five, those are the five things of, of, of every story. Uh, it doesn't matter... Uh, what it is, whether and it doesn't have to be a fictional thing; it can be a true thing. And, and, it's, and this will count of events in Jesus' life is no different. Here, here's the normal world: Jesus healed a lot of people at the home of Simon Peter and Andrew, two brothers, who, and he started with Peter's mother-in-law. Now, can I, can I just be honest? Every time I read that in song, and it's very some of you never heard this. They don't even play it on oldies radio anymore. You know that song? Okay. I, 
I don't know if Peter's mother-in-law was like that or not. But every time I read this account, it's been just started with Peter. I always wonder, did Peter, did Peter have some mixed emotions about this? You know, oh, she healed my mother-in-law. Oh, he healed my mother-in-law. I don't know. I don't know. That's good, because she's right behind you. She just flies. Uh, okay, so, so let's just start here. Let, let's just admit this from the very beginning. Life with Jesus was not normal. I mean, he starts, I mean, the story starts normal life. Uh, with, with Jesus healing a lot of people, starting with Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, he, everywhere Jesus goes, he turns a broken, upside-down world right side up. He healed sick people. He delivered captives. He forgave sinners. And he generally just blew everybody's mind, no matter what he did, wherever he went. So after healing Peter's mother-in-law and having dinner with family, friends and family at Simon Peter's house, Jesus had work to do because after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. And he would not let them see because they were trying to tell who he was. He had enough trouble convincing the disciples how he could be. Uh, didn't want to have to deal with everybody else. Like, this is normal. That this is this is norm. This is the normal part of our story. The normal part of life. Jesus is healing all kinds of people. He's casting out demons. He's setting people free. And a hint of trouble comes. Because very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place to pray. Now you're going, you might be thinking, well, what's the trouble about that? Well, you'll, you'll, you'll find out in just a moment. Uh, because I want you to pause for a moment and think back to the house that he left. Can you imagine the conversation at Peter's house and the sun has now come up and Peter's mother-in-law wakes Peter up? Oh, yeah! You know, what about you now? Yeah. Uh, and she wakes up Peter and all the disciples up and says, hey, there's a long line of sick people at the door. Well, no problem. Let's see Jesus. He's not in the house. Well, he probably just went for a walk around the block. He's not out there. And then he realizes he's just a big block. Where is he? We've lost Jesus. And they did what you always do when you lose somebody. They, they, they formed church parties. They launched an all-out church for Jesus. And it tells, because it tells us in verse 36, Mark 1, verse 36, Simon and his companions went out to look for him. Now, I just want to pause for a moment in the middle of this story and remind you, well, not remind you, you know 
that sometimes it feels like we've lost Jesus too. Most every Christian who's been walking with God for any length of time has experienced times of spiritual fear. Times of dullness of soul, dimness of vision. Uh, we, we call it all kinds of things, but there's just a sense, there's a thrill of, of being released out of spiritual darkness. It's just not what we thought it was. It's not where we thought it was supposed to be. We don't hear Jesus here. Uh, and these, oppor- these times may be opportunities for the Lord to instruct us and to teach us, and they are. But there are always sincere causes, and there is a way out. I'm just going to mention a few of the causes. If, you, if you're physically exhausted or sick, your sense of Jesus' presence is going to feel weakened. If you've been dealing with a chronic illness uh, for a long time, if you're dealing with a chronic illness, your sense of presence is going to feel weakened. But Jesus' presence is going to take the course. Uh, if you've gone through an extraordinarily stressful season in your life, you may feel like you've lost contact with Jesus. If you're facing an extended time of really heavy, hard temptation, your spiritual senses may be impacted. Jesus is still watching. Not that He is. Sometimes it might feel that way. If you're giving in to temptation, uh, then you're going to feel conviction from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to be talking to you about that, and you're going to feel distance from Jesus. Uh, you've been giving in to temptation. If you've recently dealt with a loss like the death of a loved one, more than likely you're not going to feel good spiritually or emotionally. I think that's normal. And so here's the good news. Even when it feels like Jesus is lost, you're not alone. You don't need to form a search party to find Jesus. He's not that far. Well, the truth of the matter is, he's kind of gone. He's just a, your senses of soul. Well, I just want you to know, to get back to the story, that, that uh, Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus. They found him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. I.e., there's a long line of people back at the house who want to be healed. You know, everybody in town showed up last night. You healed many of them, but two, the rest of them are there. In line. Waiting. And Jesus sighed. And he blows it off. He replied, let's go somewhere else. That's why I came. That is why I came. See, Peter and his friends launched this all-out search for Jesus because they thought they lost him. And, and when they found him, they discovered that he had a completely different agenda, not only for that day, but for the rest of his life. And what they had. He had a different plan of action. I bet they didn't see that coming. 
by the way, you know, not only did I wonder how Peter felt about his mother-in-law being healed, but I also wonder what happened to all those people. I've always been curious about what happened to the people waiting for Jesus at the Peter's house. In my mind, I thought this was a little creativity on my part. I understand, and you don't need to, this isn't in the Bible, so, but I can just imagine when Peter comes back around to Jesus, what his wife and his mother-in-law had to say. You know, the last time he brought that guy into the house, everybody in town showed up. And then he just plain disappeared. And all these people were standing out here asking us why we wouldn't take care of them. He came back for days. How long are you going to be here this time? I don't know. I just imagine the conversation with some of these folks. I'm sure that if, well, we would like to think the people in Friday were nice to each other, but, you know, they were to each other. Okay. So, they came out. They found Jesus. They said, hey, everybody's looking for you. In other words, there's a line of people at the house waiting for you to heal them. And Jesus says, well, that's nice, but we don't need you. And so, tells us in verse 39, he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. <coughs> a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you were willing to make him if you were willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was his listener. He reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. So while, while everybody, everyone back in Peter and Andrew's hometown is looking for Jesus, he decides he's going to go traveling to the other village. And he preaches and he delivers people and he heals people in other places because that is God's plan. That is God's plan. So, the question I want to ask you is how did Jesus develop the faith do what his heavenly Father wanted him to do. This, this passage that we're reading from the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark uh, shows us a picture of faith in action. And by the way, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably not the part you expected me to talk about when I said faith in action. You can tell me later why. See, to me, the faith in action is Jesus' practice of waking early and going to a solitary place to pray. It shows us faith that's based on fellowship, relationship, connection. This is not the secret to getting more things done later in the day. Uh, this is his life. This is the way Jesus lived life. Jesus is meeting with his Father in the fellowship and the companionship of the Holy Spirit in the time of prayer. And, and 
And even though it changes the format, and as he goes, but as he goes about his business throughout the day, as he goes about his father's business throughout the day, uh, he does the same thing. The situations change, but he still spends time with his father and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, learning about his father's business. How did Jesus develop the faith to do what his heavenly Father wants him to do? closeness with his father brought Jesus uh, into line with God's agenda for that day and for every moment of his life after that. So that at the end of his life, he could look at people and say, everything I've done and everything I've said is what the father told me to say and do. I've not done anything on my own I've always done exactly what the Father told me. I would love to be able to end the day like that. Not just, you know, not just my lifetime. I mean, that'd be awesome. But, but I'd love to be able to end the day and go, you know, I did not say or do a single thing this day that God didn't tell me to do. Companionship with the Spirit gave Jesus the power to carry out God's plan. He not only knew what he was able then to carry out the plan. So, how can you and I, how, how can we develop the faith to do what our Heavenly Father wants us to do? When it feels like you've lost Jesus, how do you find the warmth and the joy of your relationship with Him? Well, remember this principle. Because we learn to trust Him progressively in life. We just learn. Trust Him. Because we know Him. We know Him more. Companionship gives us the power to carry out His plan of action. Even when it's, even it's, when it's not what everybody expects. Everybody's looking for you. There's a big line of people at the house. Well, that's nice. Let's go to the next building.
Listen, we're real optimistic to understand what it means to believe in a real faith in Jesus. We may think that belief is, is, is knowing or agreeing with a certain uh, set of doctrines. I, I believe in that. Well, that's, that's very important. But you may be. You may be a thoroughgoing West Wing and actually have read the discipline and found the articles of religion and gone through and gone, yes, 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 yes. I believe all of those. And that's important. Sometimes we act like faith, though, is, 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 is another way that we look at faith is, is that it's a way for us to try to deal with Jesus for some favor that we have. You know, if, uh, we, we need to start, we, we want God to do stuff, so I just believe. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. If you believe, you wouldn't have to tell me that. If you believe, you wouldn't have to tell Jesus that. And I'm just going to tell you, you can believe all you want. You can't take Jesus with you. Don't do me on this one. I'm not going to be on the test for you. Okay? Right? I, I just admit. We, we need to start seeing their faith and prayer as spending time with God through the loving presence of the Holy Spirit instead of merely a means So we never asked for anything. That's not what I said. But off all we're doing is asking. And we're not spending time. We might as well be we kind of like to make Jesus like the Santa Claus at the mall. I don't know him. I don't really care to know him. I'm just gonna get up on his lap, I'm gonna tell him what I want, and I'm gonna leave. to move from a faith that's built on a practical approach to this to a faith that's founded on fellowship. It's all about relationship, companionship. It's not about getting stuff done. Faith or trust is the center of every healthy relationship. If you don't trust somebody, you've got a, no relationship with them. You might have some kind of forced connection, but you don't have a relationship. You don't trust them. As trust goes, so goes the relationship. A break in trust signals a break in the relationship. And so here's what it says. Jesus went proclaiming the good news of God. This is what we, we heard. His message was, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That was his 17-word message. His message is an invitation to re-enter a relationship of trust with God. With our Heavenly Father. At the cross, our sins were forgiven. All sins were forgiven. And we are invited to trust again. It, it, it makes perfect sense. We need to really understand it. It makes perfect sense that a restored relationship with God is based on trusting Him, not on obeying Him. 
Christmas tree in a different direction again. So I'm going to remind you that if you trust Him, you'll obey Him. But that doesn't come first. It comes second. If it comes first, the, the, the modern term is legalism. The Bible term is Pharisee. Intimate relationships are not built on obedience. They're built on faith. On trust. And so walking by faith, living by faith, is simply living as if God is who He says He is and He will do, always will do what He promises to do. No more, no less. God is who He says He is and He will always do what He promises. person's confidence in God grows as he or she matures in that relationship with Jesus. So how can you develop the faith to do what your Heavenly Father tells you to do? How can you shift your view of prayer from striking a deal with Jesus for answers as you want to, to make the gift that when it feels like you've lost Jesus, how do you find the warmth and the joy in your relationship with Him again? Well, practice praise no matter how you feel. That's the first step. Take time to honor and love God because of who He is. You can do this in multiple ways. One is to use that morning paper I gave you. Another way is to read through the Psalms. Read them out loud. I, I have found for me personally, this may not be true for everybody, so if you but when I say things out loud, it's far better than when I do. I, I can actually say it like I believe it. Practice praising God no matter how you feel. Take time to honor and love God because of who He is. You can thank Him for what He's done, but praise Him for who He is. back over your life and thank God for His blessings and how you are. God is volume up on some worship music. Some of you are thinking, well, I have a terrible voice. Turn it up louder. I, I went to a, a, a big meeting with, with, uh, with a, one of the youth directors. Kind of like follow similar to that. Uh, it took some kids from our youth group and with a guy who was getting to so Some of you, you guys are way in the back. You don't sing, right? I know. That's why you're sitting in the back. But can you yell? Because there's a part of this song that we need somebody who would yell it. Now, I don't know why, but I was in the back. And I thought, I can do that. So sorry for the people in the row in the back. Because I'm pretty 
here, I was really happy that the uh, the last part of the talk was say, I yell. Someday we might do that here in this church. Um, I don't care what song it is. We 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 can do that. Maybe someday. Don't get ahead of me. So turn the volume up. Turn it up as loud as you need to get it, and sing. I don't care what kind of music, by the way. I don't care what kind of worship music you listen to. I don't care if it's old-time gospel music, southern gospel music, modern contemporary music, heavy metal Christian music. Ah, sorry. Uh, I've already convinced you that I'm plugging it in. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is that helps you praise God, play it loud and praise Him. Or turn the volume down and take it back. Maybe you just need to rest in the Lord. Literally. I remember once one of my mentors said that he's encouraging several of us to, to take time get away like into the woods or to the state park or someplace and just sit down in the sunshine and, and be with Jesus. Now, there is something about me. When I sit down and I just stop doing stuff, I fall asleep. So I ask, well, what if you fall asleep? He goes, just take a nap in peace. I like the rest of the world. Sounds good to me. Wake up with a cougar licking my face, but other than that, you know, and I meant the animal, okay, just to make it clear. I'll clarify that for those who went somewhere else. All right. Come clean with Jesus. Come clean with Jesus about how you feel Jesus Christ. If you've given in the temptation to confess it, he already knows it's for your benefit. You're only as healthy as your secret. I didn't, I, that's not me, that's not original with me. I, I got that from somebody else. But I just want you to know, if you've given in the temptation to confess it, receive his full cleansing forgiveness. If you're hurting and longing for his healing comfort, just tell him. Spend time praying and in your Bible regularly. Find, find a timetable that works best for you. For some of us, it's just every day. For some of us, it's uh, different. I, you know, find out what it is. Find out what works for you. Oh, and uh, do it. Spend time. Uh, and I almost didn't put this one down, but I'm going to do it anyway. Down your list of requests and see if that's the first page of the Christmas list. Once in a while, don't ask for anything. Just start with a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, here I am. What do you want to talk about?
Spirit is here to welcome you 